SETI at home comes to an end. And more coming up on today's episode of Relays and Tech News. Hey, Gadgeteer, you're just in time for the latest episode of the world's only 3-in-1 show on tech, gadgets, and gaming news. That's right, this is Relays and Tech News. My name is Taylor Merrick, and if you're new here, hit that subscribe button right now so that you don't miss out on the latest. Speaking of the latest, well... Got a bunch of news lined up for today, and hey, if you're a long-time listener, welcome back. Hope you're uh, excited for the show content that we got lined up for today. Um, make sure to share this episode with a friend. It's the only way this show gets around, so if you have a friend out there who you feel would uh, benefit from a show like this, send them our way. By the way, all the show notes, Articles covered in today's show can be found at technewsgadget.net. We'll be actually taking a look at the SETI at Home project first off, um, ending after 21 years. We'll also be taking a look at, well, Twitter testing tweets that disappear. It's kind of interesting. We'll be getting into that momentarily. We'll also be taking a look at Apple now letting apps send ads in the form of push notifications. Um, interestingly enough, we'll also be taking a look at some plastic chomping caterpillars that could be hype- helping fight pollution. Levi's might be dropping the first Nintendo licensed Super Mario Bros. jeans. So that'd be uh, kind of interesting. And finally, we'll be taking a look at, well... It looks like Zombies Mode isn't doing so well in Call of Duty Mobile, uh, so unfortunately that will be on its way out. But before we can get into all of that, let's take a look back on today in tech history. All right, today is March 4th, 2020. On this day in history in 1977, the first Cray-1 supercomputer is shipped to the Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico. This supercomputer, which costs, in 1977 at least, $19 million, will be used to design sophisticated weapon systems. The system is a cylindrical tower, 7 feet tall, 9 feet in diameter, and weighs about 5.5 tons. The machine produced so much heat that it actually required a built-in Freon-based refrigeration system just to cool it down. It requires its own electrical substation to power it at a cost of about $35,000 a month. That was unheard of at that time, but apparently that was the latest and greatest thing back in the day, and uh, well... I guess you made changes accordingly. I can't even imagine back in 1977. Now, 2020, you're literally walking around with that supercomputer, to a certain extent, in the palm of your hand. It's crazy. So, with that out of the way, let's head on over to today's feature story. All right, now I don't know about you, but I've been quite familiar with this project. Um... Not the entirety of the time, but uh, the SETI at home project is ending after 21 years. And I figured it was kind of important. If you're not aware of it, maybe you're slightly aware of it and you're like, I've heard blips and news from time to time. Well, let's recap real quick. The year was 1999 and Intel Pentium 3 was the most powerful CPU on the market. Screaming along at, wow, blazing fast speeds of 500 
megahertz. The University of California, Berkeley, sought to tap into the power of idling PCs to search for aliens with SETI at home. Now, 21 years later, the SETI at home project is coming to an end. This isn't the end of community involvement in the search for ET, though. Um, my thoughts on this differ a bit, but I'm not going to really disclose um, my personal opinion on this matter because I know people are going to get mad. Um, one of the best ways to search for extraterrestrial intelligence is to listen for the radio signals. Now, um, space is, well, really big. Um, the Arecibo Radio Telescope in Puerto Rico and Green Bank Telescope in West Virginia collected more data than the SETI project could process, so researchers turned to the ever-expanding collection of home PCs at site idle for much of the day. So, I like the idea behind it. It's kind of interesting having idling PCs crunching the numbers and doing all this stuff behind the scenes. Um, it launched May 17th, 1999, based on Berkeley's Boink, I just what I'm going to call it, distributed computing platform. Users would install a client, and it downloaded blocks of data to analyze when the system was otherwise otherwise unoccupied. You could control when SETI at home ran and how much computing power used it. It also came with a cruel screenscape screensaver of the live data analysis. Now, I actually remember that part because I actually, just out of curiosity's sake, I was like, I wonder what would happen. Like, would I actually see something? Like, I'm not exactly sure what it was all doing at the time. I was younger at the time, too. And so I downloaded it, and it looked like a pretty cool screensaver, and it did stuff in the background, and uh, I don't know, I felt part of a... Well, okay, I felt the inkling of a community going on. I felt connected to something bigger than I was, and it, it felt kind of fun, satisfying in a way, um, but I kind of already know the answer, um, and that's about as much as I'm going to divulge my personal opinion on it. Now, if you actually want to know my personal thoughts on this, uh, do let me know, and we'll have a private discussion on that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, it, was, it was a fun project. Um, in a project update, the team said that this hibernation is necessary because SETI at home has re reached a point of diminishing returns. The team has collected so much data over the last 21 years, it's time to sift through the backlog and turn it into usable research. This will eventually become a scientific paper. So if you had it at one point, don't feel like all the time that you had your computer idling was put to waste uh, or having a program was a waste of time. Well, it's going to become a scientific paper. As of now, SETI at home is still running. However, the project will distribute the last data blocks to users on March 31st. So, seeing as how it's the 4th right now, if you wanted to download it really quickly, you can still do it. Um, but the project will be ending at the end of March. But uh, it's unclear when or if SETI at home will relaunch for users. The team notes that other researchers at Berkeley might find a use for the massive network of computers already connected to SETI at home. If someone decides to launch a new project in the same vein as SETI at home, well, the project might begin sending out data blocks again. This will no doubt come as a disappointment to people who have been running it for two decades. Although that's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe a small handful. But there are other distributed computing projects in need of your CPU. The SETI at-home team has directed interested users. Get this. They've actually... This is what I like. The, the system that they've kind of developed. They do have a list of other Boink-based computing projects like Asteroids at Home, LHC at Home, and more. There's also the popular Folding at Home project, which uh, 
simulates protein folding and molecular dynamics to search for new drugs. So, all in all, um, I guess a successful project for the last 21 years. Uh, it had it ebbs and flows, um, but uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? If you had SETI at home, let me know down in the comments if you're watching via YouTube. On Twitter, we are at Tech News Gadget. But uh, yeah, for me, you already heard my thoughts. Uh, I thought it was a cool program. Uh, it was an interesting project. That was that much for sure. I was always, I'm, I'm, I've always been interested in space and uh, and seeing uh, and exploring everything that's out there. Story, Star Trek, and all that kind of influenced that a little bit in a good way. Um, so yeah. Said you at home, you will be missed, but um, we'll see what comes from your efforts. All right, moving on to, uh, well, some more news. And uh, by the way, did you know that uh, the show is available as a podcast? So if you're watching via YouTube going, hey, I'm on the go most of the time. I can't, you know, be in front of my computer watching you all the time. Understood. Technewsgadget.net is the site to go to, or, or you could just open a podcast app of your choosing, type in the latest in tech news, and a show should pop up. Hit the subscribe button and you'll be notified. We do this on uh, the regular around here now that we're back into the swing of things. So just in case you're on the go, driving around, and it would be an easier way for you to consume content via audio, the podcast would be a perfect choice for that. Now, Twitter may be joining Snapchat and Instagram and soon have social media posts that disappear. Get this. The social network said today it is testing a new feature for tweets that last 24 hours before vanishing. An idea the company is calling fleets, as in fleeting tweets, and that echoes the popular stories features from Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. Now, the test is currently happening only in Brazil, so it won't be available uh, for America or other countries to test out, but it may expand to test to other countries later as results come in. Now, some of you tell us that you're uncomfortable to tweet because tweets are public, feel permanent, have public counts. People can screenshot them, and, and uh, even if you delete them later, it doesn't really matter because the record's there. Um, but the fleets uh, would make it possible for you to have conversations in new ways with less pressure and more control, allowing for casual, everyday thoughts. So I actually kind of like this idea. Kind of interesting. Uh, I, I understand that you're picking off, piggybacking off of an idea that's popular already. It's okay. If it sticks with the user base, it does well. Um, it might bring more people back over to Twitter, and then uh, we'll have a larger conversation, as it were. So... um. Social media has, uh, well, definitely turned into an enormous repository of potentially damaging and permanent information haunting people later as they apply for jobs, uh, politicians, other public figures for things said in the past. On Twitter, some users have turned to deleting old tweets in an attempt to start fresh, or they just don't send a tweet at all. Um, according to a mock-up shared by Twitter, the fleets are text-based by default, but users can add a photo or a video to them, as with tweets, but they'll be available for that time period, and then disappear. What are your thoughts? Good, bad, or otherwise? Let me know. I'd love to hear it. Uh, you, you know my thoughts. Um, I, I just shared them with you. I, I think it's a pretty good idea. Fleets. Um, I kind of, I, I like the name. The name, the name sticks. I was trying to think of like, is there another name that maybe sticks better? No, I like it. Fleets. 
Um, let's see how that goes. So with that out of the way, let's head on over to the next article we got lined up. All right. So uh, this article comes to us from The Verge. And uh, Apple is now letting apps send ads in push notifications. Now, uh, good, bad, or otherwise, I guess this is what they're doing now, uh, so long as users agree to receive the ads first. As spotted by 9to5Mac, Apple updated its App Store guidelines today with a change to its traditionally strict restrictions around push notifications. Apple has long banned apps from using notifications for advertising, promotions, or direct marketing purposes, but that changes today, so expect marketers to be jumping on board with this. Apps can now send marketing notifications when customers have explicitly opted in to receive them. Users must also be able to opt out of receiving the ads. Now, the change follows a couple incidents over the past two years in which Apple bent its own rules by sending out push notifications that read a lot like ads, and if you got them, you know what I'm talking about. Since other companies' apps could be banned or have had their push notification privileges revoked for that behavior, the moves were criticized, and then Apple got in a bunch of hot hot water with that, and uh, and they were like, well, you guys are getting special treatment because you own the platform. Well, duh. Um... But then Apple had to like backtrack and say, well, it hasn't been our intent to go and do that deliberately. Uh, the goal was a good one, but we don't want to spam you. But uh, the flat out ban led to some ambiguities that this new policy may be able to clear up. Can a retailer use a push notification to tell you about a sale if you've already installed their app? Can Amazon encourage customers to buy a new phone through its app as it recently did? Some of these notifications might be useful, and Apple's new policy could let them through while giving customers control over whether they actually see them. So there are also another a handful of updates that came down from Apple today as well. Uh, Apple set a deadline for when sign-in with Apple has to be implemented, namely April 30th. The single sign-on system is supposed to offer a more secure alternative to Facebook and Google sign-ins, which are widely offered as a quick way to get people using a new app. Um, Also, Apple said it will more heavily scrutinize fortune-telling and dating apps and will reject them if they do not provide a unique, high-quality experience. They're now included under (laughs) the same spam rules as, I guess, fart and burp apps. Um... I find it funny to put that right in the article. Another added rule bans apps that, uh, while can be used to commit or attempt to commit crimes of any kind by helping users evade law enforcement. So, among other things, they're just trying to make sure legality reasons they can't be um, caught in hot water again. But uh, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, um, hopefully we don't do it too much. And hopefully it, it makes it clear in terms of how easily we're able to opt in and opt out and in the process and of doing that so uh we'll probably be hearing more on that soon enough all right so uh now on to the world of science where we're looking at a uh plastic bag with caterpillars on it um eating them um no those holes aren't man-made the good caterpillars are actually eating them now if you think i'm making this up I'm not. I got a picture and recording a video about this right now. So uh, if you're not watching a YouTube video, you're totally missing out. YouTube.com forward slash tech news gadget is where it's at. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. uh, Click all notifications so that you can be notified when a new show comes out. Now, uh, well, 
This particular caterpillar is the tiny waxworm, uh, and it went from zero to hero in 2017 when researchers discovered a caterpillar could potentially help solve one of the world's most pressing environmental problems, plastic waste. This creature can chomp through plastic, even polythylene, a common and non-biodegradable plastic currently clogging up landfills and seas. Now, scientists have a much better understanding of exactly how it's able to do this, and this is kind of where it gets interesting. It comes down to its gut bacteria or microbiome. The findings, which were published in the journal Proceedings by the Royal Society B uh, yesterday, could guide efforts to find an effective biodegradable system to tackle plastic waste. So this is kind of exciting. We found that waxworm caterpillars are endowed with gut microbiomes uh, that are essential in a plastic biodegradation process. Um, this process seems reliant on a synergy between the caterpillars and their gut bacteria to accelerate polythylene de degradation. Um, English is, well, they can essentially eat a plastic bag um, right here. So, uh, yeah. So we're all excited about that. Um, we got photos that go along with it. I'm trying to see if the article says anything else. Um, there has been some good progress in figuring out some of the key components. There are still a few more puzzles to solve before this can be effectively used to solve our plastic problem. So it's probably best to keep reducing plastic waste on your own while we're currently figuring it out. But uh, I, I like, you know, articles like this that have some science uh, backing to them. And uh, hey, at least we don't have to figure out uh, how to get rid of plastics anymore. We'll just, we'll just let these uh, caterpillars take care of it for us. Okay, now I know all of you guys are all excited about Super Mario Bros. Well, the wait is over. You can finally get Levi licensed overalls. Um, <laughs> I'm not making this up. Um, the links to this article uh, will be in the show notes over at technewsgadget.net. I'm sorry, I had to laugh just a little bit because it's kind of funny, uh, but kind of not. I was... After I read this article, I thought to myself, yeah, you know, why not? You know, I mean, if if you're going to wear the overalls, just tell Levi's, hey, can we, like, license? And then you guys could. And then Levi went, oh, cool. Cross-brand messaging, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're just waiting for it to happen. Like, of course. Sorry, I had to channel a um, political, um, what was it, commentator. Unless you know exactly who I'm talking about, uh, of course, you'll have no idea. Anyways, in Nintendo's latest attempt to perplex and confound its fans, they're collaborating with American denim Levi's on, well, something. We're not sure what it is just yet, but uh, money and hopes are on an officially licensed Super Mario Bros. overall. It seems the most likely case. I mean, why would you have Levi's helping out? Here's the main reason. Levi's sent out a tweet... And it said, coming soon. And they actually had a video attached to it. See, this is where it's beneficial, where if you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see the video. Um, or actually, let's, let's, let's see. It play. What does this do? Hmm. And that's it. That's boring. Well, um, interesting. So I guess the uh, author of this article uh, was Luigi for Halloween last year in Spirit of Luigi's Mansion 3 launching on Halloween night. And, well, 
apparently it's impossible to find overalls with the same deep blue hue and bright yellow buttons as Mario and Luigi wear. That is, unless you're willing to to uh, sacrifice your dignity and wear one of those paper monstrosities that come with retail costumes. Now, what you wouldn't have given for an officially licensed pair of overalls from Nintendo might just be becoming a reality. Of course, we don't have a lot suggesting it, but it's actually overalls, Nintendo, and Levi jeans. What else would it be? The three-second teaser, uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, the video that I played features the two company logos followed by a gold coin from the Mario series. Um, but um, anything else beyond that? Not sure. We'll be finding out soon enough. So now, keep this in mind. Now that we told you this potential news that might develop into something sooner rather than later, when the news does break, courtesy of listening to the show, you now have bragging rights. Just remember this. So that when you actually do hear it, you'll be like, hey, I remember hearing about that long time ago or months ago or weeks ago whatever you're like yep i heard about it first i knew about it and be like huh and all your friends look at you and go how did you know and you'd be like i got a source i ain't telling you though (laughs) and that's why you listen to this show we got the inside scoop all right moving on to our last article of the day Call of Duty Mobile is axing zombies mode in the next update. Uh, According to developers, it just wasn't good enough. Now, Call of Duty Mobile, which launched for Android and iOS back in October, is losing its zombies mode. It straight up wasn't good enough to be included any further. We had always mentioned it was limited, but with no explicit end date, says a community update published at the beginning of this week. However, the mode just didn't reach the level of quality that we desire, and I kind of wonder why it seems to be that zombies only works zombies mode only works in a very particular type of call of duty game uh, depending on how it's put together and, and released to the public depending on what console it's on as well i know people who just on the console um like playstation or xbox will play zombies mode until they're blue in the face and keep on playing and then i know people who uh play fortnite on mobile and well, they're in squads the whole time. It is what it is. Um, Zombies mode, for those of you wondering, is leaving on March 25th. It had been hinted at since Call of Duty Mobile launched in the fall and joined the game in a November update, but apparently it struggled to appeal to the player base. The second map, they added, um, also won't be making the global launch of the game's next update. Both may return, quote, once we can make sure it is high enough quality, but for now we'll focus on development for multiplayer, battle royale, and ranked. Um, In other news, Call of Duty Mobile is kicking off a new season with the beginning of March. With a new battle pass, players can earn a new character, Soap, from Call of Duty for Modern Warfare, the game also gets a new close quarters combat map called Cage, and Hardpoint has been upgraded from a temporary feature to a permanent one. So for those of you who enjoyed Hardpoint, well, yay, it's permanent. Um, but yeah, it's that about covers it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Oh, controller support arrived with a title update in November, so in case you're wondering, yes, if you're playing Call of Duty Mobile, you can actually connect a controller to it and uh, game that way as well. All right, and with that, that wraps up this episode of the Lace and Tech News. 
Thanks for tuning in. New episodes every weekday. The latest in tech news can be found on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, bleh, and if you enjoyed me trying to figure out how to talk or you just found it comedically entertaining, uh, be sure to let me know by clicking that like button and by leaving a comment. Also, double check that you are subscribed so that you don't miss the next episode. And be sure to share this episode with a friend. I'm your host, Taylor Merrick. And remember, for latest in tech, gadget, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much keeping awesome, guys. And I'll see you on the flip side. Of course!